Welcome to After the Bell. I'm Zach Borman. Today is a very special episode and an episode that is three years in the making. I've been intending to do a Lobby Day dispatch for the last two years and through various circumstances have not been able to get it pulled together, but not this year. Today, I snagged the IEA's executive director, Paul Stark, in between meetings with legislators so we could talk a little bit about Lobby Day, what it is, and, and what we're hoping to accomplish, um, as well as a little bit of the legislative challenges we're facing this year. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining us, giving us a few minutes in, during this busy day. You bet. Uh, why don't you tell, start out by telling us a little bit about where we are right now and what we're doing. Yeah, so Lobby Day right now has uh, grown to uh, the biggest it's ever been. Um, we had um, our uh, reception last night at the Grove Hotel, well attended, lots of educators, but we've had more, I think we had well over 200 sign up to attend this year to attend Lobby Day. One of the uh, things that kind of got in the way was a big snowstorm that hit the state. <laughs> Biggest snowstorm of the year. Yeah, yeah. So that The kinda, morning of that dinner. <laughs> that, created some, uh, that created some hardship for some people. We had some drop out, but as you can see, we've had loads and loads of educators here in the building. Okay, so what is what is the purpose of of a lobby day? I think lobby day has several purposes and functions. One of which, of course, is that we talk to legislators. And as I spoke to uh, the educators this morning, I said, "Tell your story," you know, because what they need they they get a lot of propaganda, they get a lot of talk, you know, talking heads. What they need is they need someone who is in the classroom or in the building or on the school bus to talk to them and say, "This is what's really happening. This is what it's really like." So I think. The primary objective, of course, is to get legislators to understand what the real life story of, of, of how educators, you know, deal with daily life in their working environment. But I think the secondary and maybe equally powerful effect of Lobby Day is that everyone here goes back to their locals, feeling more energized, more empowered, more, uh, more informed about the issues that are rolling around um, and can bring that information back to their colleagues bring it back to their superintendents and principals and f really speak with authority about what's happening on the statewide level. So I think it has a twofold event. Year after year, we've seen it happen where we see locals f further and further energized by Lobby Day. There's, a, there, there's an infusion that just disperses throughout the entire state, which is really brilliant. Well, one of our biggest talking points last year was about facilities, as I recall. You know, we had a, a couple of mm -hmm. members from schools that were really dilapidated and facing some issues. And, and we brought that up, that issue up multiple times with multiple different people. And this year at the State of the State, I mean, I, I would like to think that our input had a, a, had a pretty big impact on the direction that this is going because the governor um, – Proposed a what two hundred billion or two billion dollar investment yeah, in our state's years. school facilities, yep. and um, I I don't I think it 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 really does feel like it matters. These conversations have an effect. You may not feel that, or you may not see that impact immediately, but it, it does get there eventually. I guess I'd also say, if I could, it, there's a tertiary uh, effect of Lobby Day in that the relationships are started, and that means when these educators go back to Twin Falls or Rigby or Court of Lane, now they have a start of a relationship and they say, all right. And a lot of them have told me they got cell phone numbers of their legislators. So when they're back home, then they go to coffee with them or go to breakfast with them. And the relationship develops and builds. And as we know, in Idaho in particular, it's all about relationships and it's about trust and fidelity and authenticity. And so by having that relationship and build it, when those education bills come forward, we hopefully these legislators have a friend back home that they can call a trusted advisor 
in in their local teachers and and paras and classified. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the priorities. What are what are educators down here talking about today? What are the IEA's priorities for this legislative cycle? Well, the priorities are not dissimilar than they have been in uh, prior, prior years. We do have a legislative guide, a policy book that um, hopefully um, most everybody has a copy of now that kind of outlines that. It has our polling data in it. It has um, some definitions, glossaries, and it has talking points on each one of these. Um, certainly, there's things we're in favor of and things where you're going to oppose. Yeah, we're in favor of more funding for facilities because we, we do know that that is a real problem, drinking water and falling ceilings. And we know that behavioral issues are a big problem throughout the state. And um, I, we know that educators are getting burnt out on that and they're struggling, and we, we want the legislature to do something about that. We also know such things as um, vouchers in whatever form they come. Sometimes they're called education spending accounts. Sometimes they're called tax credits. In the end of the day, they all turn into vouchers, and that's essentially what that means is that um, taxpayer dollars are going to pay for someone's private school. And so uh, every year we've seen these, and this is no different this year. So um, those are the kind of the big things that are on our radar. Okay. Um, we happen to be here on uh, a, the day that uh, a really big bill was in House State Affairs in which libraries were, were um, a, a new proposal for penalizing libraries for housing materials deemed harmful, quote-unquote harmful, for kids. Um, and we had a number of members testify to that. What was the, what was the outcome of that bill in House State? Well, unfortunately, it, it, it was along party line votes, and it passed out to go to the floor of the House for a full uh, House of Representatives vote. And, um, yeah, there's large, large problems. It's rife with so many issues. Um, if I can digress a little bit, this is the lawyer in me, but um, under, the, under the 14th Amendment, there's some, something called the void for vagueness doctrine that has been developed over the years. And what that essentially means is that a, a reasonable individual should be able to read a law and know what is prohibited and what is not prohibited. And that's one of the big problems. And our general counsel, Shane Reichert, testified about this. It's that there's so much vagueness in there. The terminology is so subject to multiple interpretations that I think it would be very, very difficult for a reasonable, rational person to read that and actually know where the line is and where the line isn't. And so it's got lots of legal problems, but it completely eliminates the parents. You know, once again, it's, it's, it's uh, the legislature trying to be super parents where they're stepping in instead of a, having an active parent uh, concerned with... Um, library books, um, the government is trying to do it and penalize librarians for the consequences. And the big, of course, the giant elephant in the room is that these kids, most of them have smartphones where they can access not books, but propaganda and misinformation and some of the most vilest things known to man right on their internet, right in, in, you know, in their palm. And if they really are interested in protecting children, um, libraries are probably the the safest place for children right now. And thanks, Zach, for testifying as well. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. I wish I had longer. I had a lot more to say, but yeah. uh, two minutes is a hard hard amount of time to, to get in a whole lot of argumentation. But goes fast. Are there any other bigger, big concerns coming down? So we talked a little bit about um, some, some level of ESA or voucher and, mm -hmm. and this library bill that will continue to, to push against. Any other bigger concerns as far as our association goes or um, yeah. for public education at, at, at large? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, we want continuing funding in the career ladder. We want that to continue. It's been largely successful. Um, there is uh, a variety of different things going on. But I, again, I think behavioral issues in the classroom are one of the biggest issue. And I was uh, encouraged that at our reception last night that Superintendent Critchfield said, look, I don't know. I, I love this response. She said, I don't know all the answers. But what I do know is we need to keep talking about this. And she said, you know, clearing the room of 28 kids while one, you know, loses it is not really a viable solution anymore because those 28 kids deserve to, to yeah. have an education. And, ex and experience some trauma and, and some real serious effects from mm -hmm. witnessing that on a regular basis. Absolutely. Know? And on the other side, like, um, you know, we need to better fund special ed. I mean, the truth is we need more people in our special ed classrooms. You have one special ed teacher, a whole bunch of pairs, and they're wonderful people, and they do the best they can. But we simply don't have enough personnel and, and that's one of these things where it's just kind of through a history of chronic underfunding in Idaho of education, um, school districts have had to cut corners, and unfortunately, special ed is one of them. No. Okay, so I know that we're really short on time here, that we got to rush off. Both of us have another meeting in, in just a few minutes, but I wanted to just ask, um, so many teachers may feel like they might not have a right to be doing this work. What would you say to our members who might not feel like they, they have anything to contribute to this kind of an effort or to um, the legislative cycle and, yeah. and bills this year? Well, if anybody's listening to this, I'd say your voice is everything. You know this. You're the ones that experience this and live this. These legislators here, most of them aren't educators, and they do need to hear from you. And if you feel like, well, I'm just an educator, I'm just an ESP, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, your voice here is the authoritative voice. It has more power than any lobbyist in the entire building. And so if there's anybody listening to this that is interested in politics, is it, please contact the IEA because you do have a voice, and it is so much more powerful than you give yourself credit for. Okay. Um, is there any way that you might recommend people that wish to be in, involved uh, later, like emails, phone banks? I mean, what, what kind of activities can they do? Yeah, there's the a number progresses? of them. Well, there's a number of them. You know, getting involved in elections is one of the biggest ones because what happens at the legislature is a direct result of elections, and elections matter. And sometimes, and if you think about it, school boards. School boards, uh, so, sometimes they get elected with a handful of votes. And you can really have a persuasive effect in school board elections, which will have a direct effect on your work life. Right. But also, um, yeah, there's phone banks. There's something called Hustle, which is a texting way of communicating with people. And there's loads of ways to get involved. And that's the thing is, this is your work life. This is your profession. When are you going to get involved? Wh you know, it's, 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 um, it's up to educators to stand up for themselves. And that's what we're trying to do is empower them to stand up for themselves. The IEA can provide all the tools and resources to make you successful, but it takes someone like you, Zach, to stand up and do something. Well, I do know that. So we have state elections coming up this next year, and in terms of if finding out candidates to endorse and, and back and, and really making organizing efforts to make sure that good people get to the state house. That's mm -hmm. something that we need lots of hands on deck for, from the interview process to volunteering and, and that kind of thing to, to help make sure that these, these folks get in get in here and make the crucial decisions that are good for public education can so, i add one last thing to this absolutely. too one of the easiest ways to get involved politically and you don't really have to do much is just donate to pace pace oh, is political action committee for education and everybody says oh politi political action Committee, oh it's something spooky it's not 
It's simply a fund whereby we can help good candidates win. And when you think about it, if every member of the IEA, if each one of them would contribute a dollar a month, that alone we could single-handedly change the entire landscape of education in Idaho. It's just something as simple as that, a reoccurring $1, maybe $5 a month. And you can go to the IEA's website, IdahoEducationAssociation.org. Or IEA.org? No, it's Idaho EA. <laughs> I should know this. It's IdahoEA.org. And um, go on there, and there's there's pace, and you can donate a little small amount. But if everybody were to do that, we could get pro-public education. We could get everybody a raise. We could get the working conditions you deserve. We could get you the benefits you deserve. All that is very much in our grasp. Well, none of a member's dues go towards supporting any no. political candidate of uh, either party. And, and so the money that is contributed to PACE right. does go to back candidates on both sides of the aisle, right? We have exactly. we, we endorse Republicans and mm-hmm. Democrats. Our whole criteria for supporting a, a candidate is their support for public education. Yeah, anyway, I think so. our, our endorsements last time, last elections, was almost exactly 50-50 Republican and Democrat. Yeah. But, um, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if we could change the— What it, wouldn't it be cool if Idaho could become that state where— we just kick butt on education, and we can do it. It's in our grasp. It's possible. Okay. Well, Paul, I'm going to let you go, and I pr- we appreciate your time and your effort um, year-round and, and talking what all you do at the State House when it's not a lobby day. So Thank you, <laughs> Thank Zach. You. All right.